Hello everyone, welcome to OCBC Insights, our podcast discussing the latest economic trends and developments. My name is Ezian, an analyst at OCBC Credit Research. We'll spend some time today discussing what is a Tamasic Link company and things to look out for. Needing little introduction, Tamasic is an investment holding company owned by the Singapore government. Today, Tamasic is not just a shareholder in a number of significant companies headquartered in Singapore, but is a commercially oriented global investor, with investments including Tencent, Visa, and the pharmaceutical company Wusi Aptek. While Tamasic is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Singapore Minister of Finance, it is not a statutory board nor a government agency. Debt issued by Tamasic is not explicitly guaranteed by the government, while Tamasic does not guarantee the debt issued by its portfolio companies. As an investment holding company, Tamasic has divested assets in the past and bought new ones as part of its investment strategy. In 2015, Neptune Orient Lines was sold to the global shipping company CMA CGM. In the same corporate bond market, there is a noticeable preference for companies owned by Tamasic, as identified through tighter spreads. Although what actually constitutes a Tamasic link company is not as straightforward. While Tamasic sets out a list of its major investments, there is no official list of what constitutes a Tamasic link company. In other words, this is a term that is generally and broadly accepted by the market, dependent on market's interpretation, rather than a legally defined term. For the purposes of the bond market, the Masik Link companies are most relevant in the context of whether such bond issuers trade at a premium. Or put in another way, whether bondholders are happy to receive a lower return on their investments. Such a Tamasic premium would only exist over time if sufficient investors collectively view a company to be a Tamasic Link company. Typically, this premium would only apply to companies which are familiar to investors and where investors are aware of its shareholding structure and operating history. While some would argue that bond investors are taking a mental shortcut in their investments, happily receiving a lower return is not entirely irrational, in our view, as Tamasic holds its equity stakes as patient capital, typically with a multi-year horizon. All things equal, creditors would prefer lending to companies with strong shareholders and where equity buffer is more permanent. This is especially more so considering that investment holding period for shareholders in public listed companies globally have declined. For example, this is only a few months in the US. At OCBC Credit Research, we define first-tier thermasic link companies as those which are listed as major investments and where Tamasic also owns a 20% or more stake directly or through its various intermediate holding companies. The largest of these include Mapletree Investments, Singtel, Capitaland and DBS, which has a more direct shareholding relationship to Tamasic. Based on observations, our definition is in line with what the current market views as a first-tier Tamasic link company and in line with the concept of associates under accounting rules. Under this definition, there are only 10 first-tier Tamasic Link companies who are listed on the Singapore Stock Exchange, and many of these are bond issuers. There are also another six bond issuers which are first-tier Tamasic Link companies, although these companies are unlisted. The concept of which other entities also make the cut to be considered as a Tamasic Link company is more fluid, given that these are not directly owned, but are owned by other Tamasic Link companies. 
effectively a second-tier domestic company, so to speak. We only include entities owned by first-tier domestic link companies, and in addition, we filter for those where domestic's deemed equity interest in the entity is also at least 20%. Under this definition, well-known bond issuers such as Singpost and Starhub will be considered second-tier domestic link companies. And also some of this would be the REITs that are sponsored by domestic link companies. The share price performance of domestic link companies in the past 10 years has been mixed, with REITs generally performing stronger versus their sponsors. Despite bonds being lower risk instruments, assuming an equal dollar invested, bondholders of these companies would have received higher total returns over the same holding period, even after factoring in dividend income for equity holders. However, we are at an interesting point as credit metrics of companies in Singapore has been gradually eroding over the past five years, with COVID making things worse. Excluding REITs, we note that total debt for domestic linked companies has increased by 64% from the end of 2014, even though in EBITDA, which is a measure of income, only increased by 20% over the same period of time. Encouragingly, there were few instances where debt was raised to fund equity dividends or share buybacks. So the debt build-up was largely for capital expenditure and inorganic expansion, such as taking over other companies to enter into new industries and expanding geographically. However, such expansion has coincided with a period of lower rate of return on investments. Given the large amount of capital available to be put to work globally, lower returns is not unique to companies in Singapore. Competitors for new investment opportunities is no longer just other companies, but also passive investors and institutional investors. And in the case of investment properties, real estate funds and pension funds. In an environment of low returns, using more debt in the capital structure is a way to boost returns, which is one explanation for credit deterioration. In our view, shareholders are aware of the risk of declining returns. Since early January 2019, major corporate actions has happened at half of the first-year domestic link companies. Corporate actions taken so far have included M&As, divestments and spin-offs of underperforming business units, and divesting assets to become asset-like. We think corporate actions is likely to expand to more companies, especially those facing headwinds from fast-changing industry dynamics, such as in the telecommunications sector. At this stage, it is not yet clear if such efforts will be successful in lifting the growth prospects and investment returns of companies. That being said, with liquidity ample and Singapore bonds still generating real returns, the market-linked companies continue to maintain good access to debt capital markets. However, should liquidity become tighter, such as in a fast-rising interest rate environment, we expect bond investors to assess the market-linked issuers on a case-by-case -case basis, even if they share the same major shareholder. In a nutshell, there is no assurance that today's large domestic premium will be sustained through the life of a bond issue. We hope you found this podcast useful and we will continue updating listeners on topical issues concerning both markets and issuers under our coverage. This has been a podcast from OCBC Bank. Follow us on Spotify for more episodes like the one you've just heard.